0: Good day, good folks. You are listening to talk that keeps you woke. And with your awakening, we hope that you will take in the information and knowledge we provide. So make sure you like and subscribe while you hop on this ride as we inform, persuade, entertain, and engage in discussion. Welcome to Pot Liquor Podcast, which is knowledge to feed your soul. I make up one half of pot liquor. I go by Dr. A, the inquisitive one a great debater mr slow talker a rhetorician and an all-around nice guy and a member of alpha phi alpha fraternity incorporated the other half of pot liquor is my homie my dear friend for more than 30 years Kim parker jackson esq the legal one mrs creativity never obnoxious the gifted one a terrific lady and a member of delta sigma theta sorority incorporated well 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 we're back episode 35 for you um that's an achievement how you doing partner
1: good morning good afternoon and good evening to everyone i am well my week was good how was your week dr a
0: uh it was busy um had a little emergency on Tuesday, but I'm all good now. Um, everything is fine, uh, back to normal, and I'm hoping to keep it that way.
1: Well, that's good. As you can see, I'm still wearing my hat in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Pink hat and pink earrings.
0: All right. Well, let's get started. And those of you know, we always start out. With the Wow for the week, which stands for words of wisdom. Uh, here's an oldie but goodie. This is Brother Stokely Carmichael, A.K.A. Kwame Nkrumah, uh, or better known as Kwame Nkrumah. Our grandfathers had to run, run, run. My generation is out of breath. We ain't running no more. Simply stating that. Uh, I don't know if this is the right word, cower, or not stand up against the injustice, but that's what I think uh, Brother Nkrumah is saying. He is saying that um, we no longer going to be fearful of these systems in front of us uh, we're going to stand up to these systems and take down these systems so today that would basically say don't run from systemic racism stand up to it and fight it um, what say you
1: that makes a lot of sense um, I have to say when I read the, the words of wisdom for today I I don't really know exactly what he meant by this because I don't really know the context in which he made the statement. I do know that he was a member of the Black Panther Party who cared very deeply about the freedom and advancement for Black people in America and all over the world. However, I do feel like I can relate to these words of wisdom. When I hear these words, it reminds me that our job in this generation, is to make it easier for the next generation. If we can't pass down wealth, let's at least pass down wisdom. We shouldn't have to work so hard. Let's try to work smart from generation to generation. I don't necessarily subscribe to the notion that Black people have to work twice as hard to get half as far. We should have the right, just like everybody else, to be mediocre and still do well in life. Again, just like everybody else. We're tired of having to prove ourselves to people who, regardless of what we do, they're not going to see or acknowledge our greatness or our excellence or even just our competence. So we don't have to run. We can walk slowly but surely down the path to a successful and fulfilled life so these are indeed words of wisdom from Stokely Carmichael.
0: okay that was uh eloquently put if I do say so myself
1: why thank you Let us move on.
2: I like it. I like really like it. I like
1: it. I how you revealed
2: that. <laughs> okay
0: our first product of today is uh our first plug of the day is our product and this is i believe it's pronounced skira uh because the accent over the e doesn't make it a strong y sound it makes it an e sound so i think it's skira if i'm pronouncing it right this is a water brand that i've been drinking honestly i like it basically because it fits good in my hand when i'm holding it um and it also has a bigger what would we call that open at the top Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so i can guzzle the water down quicker (laughs) um these things with me i I drank this unfortunately in like a swallow (laughs) wow Yeah, so I can drink some water and down some water. Uh, But yes, this is good as spring water. Um, Sometimes they have deals like two for four. Um, That's the one. That's when I really pick it up. And I have it in my car or on my person every day when I'm uh, teaching or lecturing. So yeah, pick up Skira.
1: That's a pretty big bottle. How many ounces is that?
0: Uh um, so it's 1 liter 33.8 oh, wow.
1: 33.8 30, Yeah, that's a nice size. Yeah. And
2: let us move on. So oh, what's going on? What's going on? What's going
1: on? And what's, yeah,
0: what's going on? What's going on? Oh, what's going on? Okay, so what's going on the first thing that we are looking at today? It is Michael Irvin? He settled his lawsuit with Marriott, and it said he. There are rumors that he received twenty-five million dollars. It was supposed to be an undisclosed settlement, but I did read in two papers that it was twenty-five million dollars.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't have the details of the settlement. Except don't have for the that. details
2: of
0: the settlement. <laughs> um, we looked at the video and. Um, the lady said the accuser i should say mm-hmm. said that he made sexual uh and some lewd comments there's no audio on the um on the video that we saw
1: mm-hmm. from uh, the he, hotel yeah right
0: he does talk to her they walk outside into the hallway he put his Hand on her arm twice and this is bothering me because they making it a big deal um that he did that and then he looked at her when uh, she walked back into the room I think I also heard that it was some comments like have you that she said he said something like have you ever been with a black guy or something mm-hmm. like that
1: mm-hmm. and
0: Irvin just denies that he's like I don't I don't talk that way right um but he did say she bad um now the other hotel employee heard him say that but he Mm -hmm. smacked himself michael urban smacked himself in the face three times you can see that on the video Mm -hmm. Um, so i don't know if i'm in the place where i can count that as uh, admiration of her physical body or admiration of the conversation that went on um, right so but this was I don't know if he had said some comments that allude, then she would have something um so the court says he said she said, and there's no proof that he said anything
1: right. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we talked about this story when it first happened and I still feel the same way I did back then when we both were like something just ain't right. Like it didn't add up. It didn't make any sense. So I'm actually very happy that he was exonerated here and his name has been cleared because like I said, I knew from the beginning from Jump Street that just just wasn't something just wasn't right. And you could tell he didn't do anything, in my opinion, anything wrong. Just like you said, looking at the video, it was like a 60 second conversation and God knows what was said during the conversation. So like you said, her word against his, Um, but I mean, it just wouldn't seem to amount to sexual harassment to me because to me, it just seems like it would be unwanted or Uh, consistent, persistent uh, harassment of someone in order to rise to rise to that level. So because of that, now Marriott has to pay $25 million because, you know, and this is in response to his $100 million defamation lawsuit. And, but, you know, I think I'm, I'm happy that Marriott has to pay, but I think the accuser should have to pay personally as well. Because this reminds me, it's similar to what well, it's similar to police officers who unjustly kill or injure unarmed citizens, and then the state has to pay a civil suit or civil settlement to the victims. It's to me, if the police officers don't have you know, to have to pay personally, they don't have an incentive to change their behavior. And that's how I feel about the accuser in this situation. She, again, should have to pay so that this behavior is discouraged. Now, what are you shaking your head no, for?
0: Because hear me out, and I know you're going to agree with me. I'm going to change your mind. I know you're going to agree with me. I'm shaking my head because there was no audio. So, we don't know if her accusations about Lou comments uh are true or not. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the only reason why I wouldn't you, come back with her. If, if there was audio, hold them, on. If there was audio, them, they're not if, there, true. if there's right, no, what you can't prove is that he, we don't know if he said anything, Lou. If you listen to, Michael Irvin, when he's talking, he's making sure he don't overtalk. He says, I didn't say anything. Now, if she says something about the man was aggressive with me physically, but I didn't hear that. But there was nothing in that video that showed to me that he did anything wrong. But I don't hear what he said. If she, If we would have heard the video, and they were just talking about football. Yeah, she should have to pay. I would say that because you outright lie, We don't know what Michael Irvin said.
1: But 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 my point is is that whatever happened, whatever transpired, she accused him to the point. She accused him of doing something illegal to the point where he lost a lucrative position. Okay, and nobody should have that much power. And so I think if she has to pay personally, then people will start to be to 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 think carefully. people people will think twice before they make these types I, of accusations. I, I think- against people and cause them to lose
0: I think you something
1: so valuable that's all I'm saying I think even
0: though what you're saying right now I'm hoping that you do agree with me because you cannot she we don't know what was said right so we don't know if she's lying or not to be fair to her right we don't know that wrongful termination right and I think they suspended him maybe and not fired him so um and I don't know if he was receiving pay or not was he receiving pay from the NFL network still
1: all I, well he's going to be reinstated to the NFL and be a part of the NFL's networks He's NFL already NFL been network reinstated. Coverage of the 20, right so I'm assuming that he was being paid when last year when he right. was so yeah.
0: okay so then you can't get on wrongful termination because they didn't terminate him but trust me i was looking into all this as i was reading he, the articles he, he
1: had so you're saying he was paid for that appearance even though he didn't appear
0: i don't know about that
1: right that's what i'm talking but about
0: i mean that could be what the 25 million dollars stretches out to be
1: Right, but and it's not just that; it's his reputation. He is a public figure, and she tarnished his reputation with simply accusations. So nobody should have to go through that unless you are one hundred percent sure that you have been sexually sexually harassed. Like this is a pattern of of conduct that is unwanted. This was one. This was one.
0: Kim, at the same time, what you're doing is denigrating the lady. You don't have proof that Michael Irvin didn't say anything, lewd comments to her. That's what I'm telling you you're doing. Like I'm listening to the thing. I was like, wow, that's, there's no audio here. But
1: Dr. A, we
0: don't know what happened.
1: You're right. But that's why we have a legal system. And if the legal system has determined that there was no claim, then you have to conclude that there was no claim that rises to the level of sexual No, harassment. they
0: said they don't know. The legal system said it's he say, she say. That means we can't tell which one is telling the truth.
1: Okay, But listen, if you, if you, for example, she's working in that restaurant. If you remember how in the, in the, in the, in the video, a guy, came out and started clapping his hands. He was working in the restaurant. It seemed like it might have been her supervisor. You're or speculating,
0: homie, no, and I'm, I ain't going to do that. That's what you doing. You're not you, listening
1: to the point that I'm trying to go make. Go ahead,
0: make the point.
1: The point that I'm trying to make is that I'm giving an example of what would be a more credible complaint. If you're working in the restaurant with, if she, for example, was working with a man who every day propositioned her and she doesn't didn't want those advances made toward her then she she would have to go to management complain that she's being sexually harassed by someone that she's not interested in then ma- if management doesn't do anything to correct that pattern of unwanted sexual advances then she would have a valid claim for sexual harassment you see what i'm saying And so, all I'm saying is, it would be hard for anyone to prove that they've been sexually harassed by one 30 second encounter. If that were the case, all the people who get catcalled when they're walking down the street by people on a construction site would have a claim for sexual harassment. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. If people
0: were around that heard what was said, then they can um, support her comments. So, this person that's clapping. You know, I don't know where you're going with that, All I was you saying, I was, that as an example? I know,
1: I was No, I was just trying to say, for example, if he I was just going to use him as an example, because he obviously worked at that restaurant that she worked at. So I was just going to say someone like him who works with her, if he had engaged in a pattern of unwanted sexual advances toward her over a period of time and she complained and nothing happened then yes that would be a more credible complaint for sexual harassment i was just trying to make i just trying to make an you know give an example to compare she doesn't need
0: a she doesn't need a she doesn't need a formal hold hold on let me talk she doesn't need a formal or prior event to occur to a claim she was sexually harassed with him by Michael Irvin. Okay, she doesn't.
1: That's
0: okay. Okay. Then explain your point. So for the listeners, cause <gasps> I didn't get it. Maybe they all didn't. I'm
1: saying, all I'm saying, my the, the bottom line of my point is that I believe that people who bring claims that don't rise to, who don't bring actionable claims against someone that could potentially ruin their career or something like that. They should have to pay for that. That's all I'm saying. They should that's be held accountable. That's a different
0: conversation, though. That's, that's what a I, different that's conversation. Why is that that, different?
1: That's the what difference
0: I'm, is we don't know what she said here. We don't know what he said. That's what I'm saying. We don't know what he said. We don't. He okay. said he was inebriated. He says I don't talk that well, way.
1: I guess what, what I'm saying. What I guess what I'm saying. If I, I guess what I'm saying is that if I'm on a jury, that's he, that's hearing this case. And let's assume he says something lewd, like, have you ever had a black man or something like that? If I'm on a jury, I personally am going to leave more than that. To to vote in favor of holding him liable for sexual harassment. I'm going to need more than one lewd comment to someone that may have been unwanted because that happens all day every day okay
0: okay okay let me you see say, that's
1: all that's all let, i'm saying let and me so, say that
0: i don't care what you need the jury will be given instructions right on what is what and then that's what you would have to adhere to
1: of course right But they whatever she presented here was not enough you, and it wasn't so, enough, Kim, you so, this is
0: what I'm saying. you putting words out there, and this is not a good thing to do. We don't have audio, so we don't know what was said. And the judge said it's a he says, she says, okay. since all we right. don't have audio. okay,
1: all right, we just gonna see this differently.
0: how That's how just, are we seeing it differently? How can you
1: castigate
0: somebody who said, let me say this, if it was somebody you knew, That make the statements that was a friend of yours. You probably would say this. I know my friend. She don't lie. That's what you probably would say, right?
1: I didn't say she lied about anything.
0: No, no. I I said she didn't. I said she. I I said she didn't
1: have enough proof.
0: Right. She didn't. The audio wasn't there, so you can't say that she made false accusations against Irvin unless you heard audio. She could be in her truth, but the judge said it's not enough. You know what he got? The the reason why this situation, because you're right, whoever put that out there, and I believe Marriott did, I think Marriott is the one that put that out there, and then other uh, news uh, outlets picked it up. That's why he won the lawsuit against Marriott. Because Marriott took her word. Instead of saying, well, looks into looking at the investigation to see if things were actually said. They didn't take the time to do that. So they're the one who really damaged Michael Irvin by putting that message out there. If I'm correct, because it wasn't, I don't think it was her. You see what I I'm saying? You,
1: I bet you if 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 that were you in place of Michael Irvin. We would this wouldn't even be an issue. She was going after deep pockets. That's that's what it looks like to me. And I'm not I again, I'm not we don't don't. what she said was you know what he's I'm not saying that what she said, he said is not true. I'm just saying that under the circumstances of their 32nd to 60 second encounter. I just find it difficult to believe that she had a valid claim for sexual all harassment. It was, that's it was all I'm the saying. Tape,
0: the tape was and, two and, and minutes. the legal system the confirmed tape that for me. The that's tape, all I'm saying. The tape was two minutes, and she told her bosses uh, uppers at the Marriott what had happened. That's what okay.
1: So are you saying that Michael Urban lucked out in the situation? And no. he may have sexually harassed her, but there was no, not enough proof. So no, I don't do
0: what you do. I don't.
1: Okay, so what? I what don't... I'm
0: saying is, there's no audio to prove anything. But Marriott shouldn't have done what they did to Michael Irvin, and that's why they got punished. Because Marriott, just like you and I, we don't have any audio. I don't speculate and get into people's minds on their actions and how okay, they Okay, so
1: you don't so in other words, you you're saying that she did she didn't do anything wrong.
0: I don't know if she did anything wrong. Because if we hear that audio and she and Michael Irvin didn't say anything lewd to her, then I'ma say, yeah, she's a liar. Right. And that's something wrong. But since we don't so have, if you, audience, had
1: said, if you say, if, if, if you put yourself in his situation and you say to a woman, have you ever had a black man or have you, do you think you think you could be subject to a sexual harassment? Claim? Of course,
0: today, exactly. And you think can. that's fair? I don't you. think it's I I don't think that's fair, right. but I'm a I, but I'm I, oh, hold on. Let me, let, me I let, let me say this. Let me say this. I don't look. Let me say this because, like I said, you're looking from it from your standpoint. So I teach gender, race, and media, right,
2: mm-hmm. at
0: Texas A&M University, right, and we talk about the Me Too movement and how it was effectively launched and how media propelled it forward. And it got recognized a lot. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about it. I say, wow, men in this country growing up, we are taught or indoctrinated to be the hunter and women are indoctrinated to be hunted. Mm -hmm. Right. There's been catcalling on construction sites forever. Mm -hmm. Do I think that's wrong? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that's wrong. But. My comments of looking at somebody and seeing them walking down the sidewalk and say, oh, you look stunning today, can be misconstrued as sexual harassment.
1: Exactly.
0: Right. So ho- hold on. So I have an issue with that. But since that can be placed as sexual harassment, guess what? When I walk down and I see someone, I say, good morning or how you doing? And that's it. I don't engage in any other complimentary conversation.
1: And so, if that someone if so, so if so, so, someone perceives if someone perceives that to be sexual harassment and they file a claim against you mm-hmm. and you lose your position mm-hmm. at Texas A&M University.
2: Yeah.
1: You don't think and the court determines that it was not sexual harassment. You don't think that the person who brought that claim wait, should wait, be held wait, accountable? Wait, wait,
0: wait. If they determine that it wasn't sexual harassment?
1: Yes. But by the fact that that person filed this claim against you for sexual harassment caused you to lose your position. You don't More, think that person should be held accountable in some way? That's all I'm saying here. And so that person I, should I, think twice is, about what well, did is, I mean really, by is, him saying good morning? Okay, or, you look okay nice. listen, listen. I listen really, okay. Should I really bring a claim against you know, ho- on, Hold on,
0: hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen to me when I right now, I'm going to say it. I, I
1: just, but you're not. Hope, under, okay, go ahead.
0: Could I not what?
1: I'm just saying it just didn't seem like you're saying, okay. I understand what you're saying. Like, I'm not sure if you're getting what I'm saying because you're not. I do
0: understand what you're saying, but I'm trying to give you the feedback like you think things are black and white. And I'm telling you, they're not because and I I, I, and you're making me throw this around. I'm a communication uh, uh, professor. So what I'm saying to you is if she thought she was being sexually harassed, how can we tell her she wasn't? Okay.
1: All right.
0: That's what I'm saying. And that's what
1: I'm saying I do see.
0: Do I it. do I agree do I agree with it? No, I don't. If I say you look stunning in your dress today, I think that's a compliment, right? Now, if they find out that what I said wasn't sexual harassment, This is where we, I'm iffy on it. Do we penalize her, right, because what she believed sexual harassment was, was wrong? And then the impact on that is women who get lewd comments are never going to say anything because of this possibility of things happening. Do you understand what I say when I'm saying that? Do you understand the impact that it may have that woman will not come forth anymore because this could happen? Oh but
1: do you understand on the other hand the I, impact that I someone do understand
0: the impact on career, no, hold,
1: hold, on, hold, on. An accusation I do that Look, can't be proven? That can't be proven. Hold on. Hold hold on. Let,
0: proven. let me, on. Let me that say can't
1: this. Be proven. Okay, go ahead.
0: What I'm trying to say to you is I do understand the impact, but I'm telling you there's impact both ways.
1: Okay, let's leave it it there.
0: No, don't cut the conversation off. I'm not cutting
1: it off. I'm just saying that's a point that we agree to. That is a point that we agree to.
2: And let us move on.
0: All right, next up, corporate America can learn from Deion Sanders. And y'all might be saying how and in what way can they learn from Deion Sanders. I'll let you start this one off.
1: No, you go ahead.
0: Okay, those of y'all know Deion Sanders is the coach of Colorado University, right? And... um since he's come to Colorado, he's brought a lot of attention to Colorado. Um, by from the first day he was there when he was speaking to the players. Um, he's, he's has a lot of publicity for the institution and his, t- and his team. And he has led his team to three wins and they have three losses. They shouldn't have lost last week, but that's another story. All right? So, People are talking about his ability to motivate and bring confidence to these young men on the field. And from that, they're producing better than ever because they didn't think he would win more than one game. And he's already won three. And then probably he's going to win some more and probably bring them to a bowl game for the first time. So people are suggesting that people who work in corporate America who are bosses who lead teams within their workplace should pay attention to Dion's ability or look at his blueprint on how he gets younger folks, uh, how he motivates younger folks to do things. What say you?
1: I think it's great. I think it's great that he is getting this kind of recognition I think it's recognition that's well-deserved because he's really proven that he's a remarkable leader with leadership skills that translate quite naturally into corporate America. So to me, a born leader is someone who can inspire and motivate people to give their best effort. And I don't think you can teach this kind of leadership because it stems from developing relationships, you know, relationships with people so that you can learn exactly what makes one person tick and maybe may not make the other person tick. So Deion Sanders, I think that's part of the success that he's had is he seems to really care about his players as as people because everybody's not going to make it to the NFL. And for that, you know, for those people, um, it's important, I think, for him to make sure that those people, you know, develop into responsible adults who are equipped to live a successful life. And that starts with, for him, making sure that they graduate from college and obtain a college degree so, you know, they can live a purposeful, fulfilled, successful life and it's not always a when you're a leader it's not always a one-size-fits-all approach you know for some people as a coach for some people you have to yell to get them motivated some people you you can just sit down and have a talk with them and reason with them to to sort of draw out their best maximum performance and I think that's what he's been so successful at I I listened to, um, I don't know if you've seen Club Shay Shay with Shannon Sharp. Yeah. Did you see his interview with Marshawn Lynch?
0: No, I didn't see that.
1: Okay, you got to check that out. But Marshawn Lynch kind of talked about that as when he was playing, he said that he wasn't the kind of player that needed all the rah-rah uh, sort of uh, talk from a coach to try to get his players motivated. Coaches would tell him to show up at a certain time because um, that's when they were going to do the pregame speech or whatever pep talk or whatever. And he felt like he didn't need it. He was like, just let me know when I need to show up to play. That's all I need. Just tell me it's time to play and I'm ready to play. I don't need a, a, a pep talk or or motivational speech. And that's just him as one player. So I think it's important as a leader just to know you you should develop relationships with the people um who report to you to the point where you you know what's going to draw out the best in that particular person, and that's going to end up working on behalf of the team as a whole and you you'll have a successful a successful team. And so, I, you know, it's important, I think, to be a servant leader, And provide your employees or your players whatever they need, whatever they need to give their maximum performance. And I think that's why people are paying attention to what Deion Sanders is doing. He's instilling a lot of confidence in people who may not otherwise have as much confidence. And another thing that I think makes him successful is he is a Hall of Famer. He's gonna command respect. People are gonna listen to what he has to say. So I also think it's important for whoever's in leadership to have some experience being successful, um, so that people will have will will have the confidence in you to know that you know what you're talking about. Do you understand what I'm saying? So
0: yeah, you're talking about credibility.
1: Credibility. Uh,
0: So Dion is definitely credible, and what. These corporations, the inner talkings of these folks, is they're saying that they like um, his confidence,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't really always think it's inherent. It's uh, what he what he worked on, um, and his ability to command attention. Uh, what, what I'm saying, they they say they're saying he worked on that. It just didn't come naturally, you know. How uh, did
1: they know that? He said they talked to him.
0: No, Yeah, they talked okay, to him.
1: Because, okay. So are you saying because there's videos of he him? He used early. to hand
0: out cards to these company leaders after he played games, um, and he says, "If you ever in a crisis of leadership, call on me." And he come <laughs> talk. To no, he was serious though.
1: No, no, no. I was, I'm right. just laughing because I'm assuming because there's videos of him early in his career, like when he was first drafted, and he just seemed to come out the gate with that confidence. And so I was just going to ask you, do you think he was faking it till he made it? You know how you can fake it till you make it. Are you saying he that wasn't that confidence wasn't genuine? N- he
0: was no, not- I'm saying his confidence was, but to convey it, he worked on it.
1: Oh, the okay. Part of
0: conveying the confidence to other people.
1: Okay, I you see. have
0: to work on that, how to reach.
1: People. Okay. Yeah. Like he did he,
0: with the Marshawn Lynch story.
1: Right, right, right. And he's been coaching for years and years and years. He started coaching his kids. He told that story. Did you, did you ever hear him tell that story? Yeah. About how he would, um, and I guess, what's the, the is it Pee Wee football? Like when you're like five and six years old?
0: Yeah, when you're young. Yeah, they call it different things, different places.
1: Yeah. And so he talked about how his sons, um, when they started playing, he would go to their practices, take them to practice, and he would be on the sidelines watching, and he would be like, this is not how you this is not how you do this. Like he, he felt like he was always correcting the coaches. And finally he said, you know what, if I'm going to have my sons playing football, I need to be, make sure that they're learning the proper way. So let me go out here and coach these kids. And that's where, I mean, so that's how long he's been at this. So I see what you're saying. Like it does, it is, there are skills that you can develop, but by the same token, I do think that there's such thing. There's a such thing as born leaders. Do you? Would you agree with that?
0: I do. I yeah. do agree with that. I do. I it's agree. probably
1: a combination.
0: All right.
2: And so- let us move
1: on.
0: All right.
1: So I For talk- the love of money. <laughs> For the love of money.
0: Yeah, so... um,
1: I can talk about this one if you want me to.
0: Yeah, you can start
1: this one. <laughs> so guess what, guys? An $81 billion glitch. Engineers are investigating a banking glitch that triggered a total shutdown of billions upon billions of dollars in bank transfers in Japan. So this glitch began on Tuesday, leaving more than one million customers unable to move their money and affecting banking giants such as JP Morgan Chase, MUFG in Japan, and Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi Trust. So the system breakdown halted a staggering $81 billion in transfers. And it took more than a day for engineers to piece things back together. Now, at the core of this failure was an interbank communication system called Zingen, I think. Yeah, Zingen. Zingen, Z-E-N-G-I-N. Hmm. And so banks scrambled to process transactions with a backup system when this breakdown happened. So, Japan's biggest bank, MUFG, said transfers to other banks initiated online and at ATMs and convenience stores were denied as Zinjin worked to identify the cause of the issue and recalibrate the system. And so now they're focusing on ensuring that these kind of widespread failures don't happen again. This is very scary to me because...
0: But it's not the first time it happened. This large amount, yes, but this is the third time it happened. So they're trying to get put something together, I believe, where there's a backup, just Mm -hmm. in case.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, It's not like folks, so I don't want people to think that folks have lost money. They weren't able to transfer money, which could, you know, ruin deals and contracts and things of that nature. And maybe the money they're trying to, the people they're trying to transfer the money to are the institutions they need to transfer the money to need that money to disperse it out to employees or whatsoever. So I don't want to see like, this is nothing. This is huge. Um, but with technology, this is bound to happen. That's why and, I say you should keep a little money in the crib.
1: And that's what I find so scary though, because it's kind of like a two edged a double edged sword. Um, technology is great and it makes things more convenient. You can go online and just give people money, you know, send people money and it saves you a lot of paper. It saves you a lot of trouble of having to get to the bank and things of that nature. But on the flip side of that, these kinds of breakdowns can happen. And it's scary because if you, what if you actually need to get your hands on your cash, like this could really jam you up. And so that's what makes it scary. And also, because all of this is electronic, like when we get paid, we get paid electronically and, you know, that kind of thing. So it's like, you could, there could be a glitch and a mishap and all of a sudden your bank account is wiped out when you need access to your money as, you know, the most. And so that's why I say it's, it's scary. This is just one thing that could happen with a computer glitch but imagine all the other things that could possibly happen with a computer glitch, you see what I'm saying? So that's why I said, this, this is kind of scary, you know? Again, a double-edged sword of technology being so convenient and, make, and improving our lives and helping us to do more with le- in less time, but this is the price that you can end up having to pay for that convenience
0: it's almost like you need to take a picture of your account every day i
1: I am not above doing that and i have done that
0: (laughs) especially now
1: like we're, we're in wartime we have wars happening in the world you just feel like things could crash at any moment you know and then you have these cyber criminals that can deliberately go in and try to jam people up that's happened too Yeah. remember they um Held up the gas or oil or something, and people weren't able to get gas, and they they held it hostage and and try to get ransom. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And then, I think they actually ended up getting that money. Remember, it was like five million dollars or something. They they had to pay these people to release the system and let people get gas again. Yeah, this is crazy. That cyber um cybersecurity is a hot field that young people should think about going into if they're interested in technology at all, because I feel like you can make a lot of money. Can you imagine?
0: There's a lot of students that are um, interested in that field that I teach. So
1: That's a good field.
0: They're way ahead of Mm me.
1: Let us move on.
0: Jim Jordan out.
1: Uh-huh. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> uh huh. Nan nan nan
0: nan. Let's speak on that.
1: Well, you know why I'm saying that, right? Because he, because of what he did to our girl, Fonnie Willis in in uh, Georgia. But anyway, so House Republicans have officially rejected Representative Jim Jordan for Speaker. Jim Jordan is the Republican Congressman in Ohio's 4th congressional district. And the conference the the comp the conference dropped Jordan as their nominee in a secret ballot vote behind closed doors on Friday afternoon after his speakership bid failed for a third time on the House floor. He's a three-time loser, you guys. So because of this, the, the Republican Party is without, they are currently without a nominee or a clear path forward more than two weeks after the historic removal of Kevin McCarthy, the other Republican nominee for House Speaker. So 25 Republicans voted against Jim Jordan giving him just 194 votes and he needed approximately 217 yeah. to win the speakership. So it's funny because with every vote he it got worse and worse like more people <laughs> ended up voting against him. Um and this is, I mean, you know, like I said, I think that's exactly what he gets for trying to uh for coming after Fonnie Willis, the uh attorney in uh uh Georgia, who is uh leading the prosecution against Donald Trump for his role in the January 6th insurrection. And he was writing her uh letters trying to get information and in my opinion, just basically trying to obstruct justice and uh, disrupt her prosecution there. And again, you know, uh, one Republican, uh, one Democratic congressman from California, his name is Pete Aguilar. He listed all the reasons why Jim Jordan shouldn't be Speaker of the House, including the fact that he, in 16 years of being in Congress, has not passed not nary a law and that's basically what they are they're lawmakers and he has not passed not nary a law and of course this is not the only measure of whether you're being an effective congressman because you don't necessarily have to pass laws it would be nice if you pass a law to make life life better for someone but you don't necessarily have to because you know laws can be really can be useless, but you would hope that as a lawmaker, you could come up with one law that can make people's lives better. Um, But let me play for you the video, this is just, just under a minute, outlining all the reasons, this is according to Pete Aguilar, all the reasons as to why Jim Jordan should not be nowhere near the speakership of the House.
2: When wildfires ravaged the West,
1: destroying homes and businesses, and those residents needed disaster assistance, he said no. When the Mississippi River floods devastated the South and
2: communities across state lines needed Congress to act, he said no. When our veterans were suffering from disease and dying as a result of their service to our country and Congress passed a bipartisan solution, he said no. When our ally in Ukraine looked to Congress for additional support to help defeat Putin, he said no. And just before Hamas's brutal terrorist attack on Israel, he said no to fully funding military aid for our ally. This body is debating elevating a speaker nominee who has not passed a single bill in 16 years.
1: And those are all the reasons why he is not the Speaker
0: of the House. Yeah, I think that's enough said about him. Um, (laughs) When I see him, I think Jim Jordan is good at just tearing down people, Um, and that doesn't sit well with me. So after I found out he's not really doing anything to improve situations, just trying to tear down situations, he kind of let me know what type of politician he is.
1: Exactly.
0: So. Good riddance.
1: Bye. Get the road, Jack.
2: And let us move on. I like, All right.
0: Don't okay so this right here is huskies right they're mm-hmm. tools that you can find in home depot or Lowe's. Um, and they have all sorts of things from nails to tape measures to uh wrenches to um drills and things of that nature and It's definitely a brand we use around here. I just have, the stuff I have is too big to bring into the room. Mm -hmm. So I brought you something little. So that is Husky. Do
1: you have a chainsaw or something you want to show?
0: No, I ain't cutting down (laughs) no trees. Uh, But I I have. You got one of
1: them, the the, the riding lawnmowers? You got one of those? No, I don't have
0: that. I don't (laughs) think they make that. I think they make tools. I think
1: they. Okay.
2: (laughs) And let us move
1: on.
0: All right. We have a special guest today.
1: To get the applause. He has
0: been with us before. This is Dr. Renee Carr.
1: Hi, Dr. Carr. How are
3: you? Hi, everyone. How are you doing? I thought you forgot about me. Of course not. <laughs> you no,
0: know, sometimes we just run late because our conversations can get a little heated. Okay, but that's always good. We throw time out the window then. (laughs) (laughs) So before we start, I I want you to tell our audience a little bit about yourself.
3: Well, I'm Dr. Renee Carr. I'm a political and corporate advisor. I'm also a psychologist. So what I do is I apply psychology to help persons at the state level or federal level make social issue decisions. And I use that based off of just the science of information rather than personal biases. I also help these um, lawmakers, um, as Kim said, to make the decisions based off of what would be authentic for either their brand or for what they really want to do for their constituents and to help mediate so that they can get over egos and just focus on the solution rather than we're just making a responsive action. So I also help with the psychological part of the political leaders, as well as helping those leaders make those social issue decisions.
0: Okay, so today we have brought Dr. Carr on to talk about black uh, conservatism. Uh, We have from Clarence Thomas to former uh, Republican, Nominee Herman Kane, Larry Elder, Candace, oh, Candace Owens, uh, a great deal of African Americans who are Black Republicans, Black conservatives. Uh, and we just wanted to have a little discussion on that because, truthfully, I find it a okay to be a Black republican or a black democrat or a black independent um i think that sometimes um we get frustrated with folks who don't feel like they're going the way of the black that's what i call it like you black how can you vote that way what'd you say
1: no i was just repeating what you said
0: Yeah. You black, how can you vote that way? You black, how can you vote for him? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just going to have a discussion about conservative. And I brought on Dr. Carr because I think she has uh, a good amount of information. And I I like her opinions. <laughs> um, I debate with her sometimes, but I like the fact that we're not a monolithic people. So we're diverse in thought and in action sometimes. So, what do you say, Dr. Carr, when you hear African Americans lambast Black conservatives?
3: Well, I would say that it's more of if you're going against a particular group by putting everyone in a group and saying that we have to all be democratic or we have to all vote one way, then I would just help them illuminate their thoughts and see that we well, are still thinking in a biased way because you're assuming that one political party can embrace or understand all of the issues of the black community. So it may be that you're focusing yourself and putting yourself inside of a box. And so what are you limiting yourself also from learning by bashing a conservative or a black Republican without actually saying, well, what are your motivations for voting a particular way?
1: Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you typically help your clients? Would you, Work as part of a team that is trying to accomplish a goal or do you work one on one with people to help them, as you say, pass laws that align with their brand or their
3: their political brand? So Mm -hmm. I work in both ways. I work either. So I work actually in three ways. So one, I may work just one on one with the elected official or the high profile CEO about a social issue for which they are considering lobbying or voting for themselves or making a behind the scenes deal um, with their other political colleagues. I may also work with a political team to help them understand whatever that social issue is and to then make that informed decision on why they're gonna vote for or against or what nuances they may need to include in their introduction of legislation. Or third, I may come in um, as a crisis expert, meaning something socially has happened and how do we best respond to that in ways that will emotionally touch the voters or constituents or the general public, but help them to understand an issue, but without creating more alarm or to just create a cleanup for the optics of what has happened for that crisis. So it's the psychology of perception of that social issue along with the social issue itself.
1: Okay. So would you be offended by the term spin doctor?
3: Um, no, because <laughs> people have said that, or they would say, Oh, so you're like Olivia Pope. Um, <laughs> but I've also so. heard, yeah, you're Olivia Pope. Um, if you were Olivia Pope and Oprah Winfrey's sister, so it's kind of like a combination. So Oprah Winfrey, as far as I'm going to actually find out the under, you know, the underlying reasons, the emotional or the personal reasons, along with fixing an issue. But my goal is I fix the issue from a, um, a root cause analysis rather than just covering it up. And I won't work with individuals who are only interested in just covering up an issue, but not actually having true change.
1: So, for example, Tim Scott. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, (sighs) Tim Scott, he voted against the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act, Mm -hmm. and it came across as if he supports the police unions, as if he wants to give cover to rogue police officers who may kill or injure unarmed Black people unjustly. And so I don't know, like, how how would you help someone like him who, I mean, as a presidential um, Republican nominee, um, he's not doing very well in the polls. And when I think of Tim Scott, all I think about is his sort of uh, persistent, consistent drumbeat of we can all be successful in America because I'm, I'm a Black man whose grandfather picked cotton and now I'm a, you know, senator in America. And if I can make it, every Black person can make it and pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Now, how do you make that, if he's your client, how do you make that palatable to people who just don't, that does not resonate with them? And number two, how, I mean, how do you explain you didn't vote for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act and you're a black senator who has the power to do so, to improve the lives of black people in America?
3: So it appears for um, Tim Scott that he would be the embodiment of black persons who don't support black Republicans because he would be the stereotype um, political black on the outside, white on the inside, and focusing on distancing himself as much as possible from black persons who are not going to benefit him or to who he may think would be a negative reflection on who he is. And so- I'm sorry, let
0: me interject. You said that he would be a person that would not vote for black Republicans?
3: No, I said he would be a person who would be like the stereotypical version of when people say this is what why we don't support black Republicans. He would be that poster child.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay.
3: And I say that because he disregards, for the sake of his so his self-identification and his self-ego, he psychologically as well as personal profile, he distances himself from the average black or brown person because that would then have a negative reflection on who. wants to appear to be. He wants to appear to be to his white colleagues as someone who is not those kind of Black people. Mm -hmm. And so for that reason, from a psychological perspective, if I chose to work with him, (laughs) that I would would work on the reasons why you are engaged in a form of political self-hate. And then I would go, okay, well, what, what caused you when you were younger or what caused you in your social sphere to feel as if you had to be better than the average Black person, or that you could be the poster child for the good Black boy. And so I would work from a from a foundational standpoint. And then based off of that, you know, the immediate, the immediacy of the optics, you know, getting elected, I would then change his whole political uh commentary because a lot of what he says, it helps to shine the shoes of white persons or other. Black on the outside, um, but forgetting about the historical Black struggle of people, politicians, who or voters who want to hear that message.
0: Okay, so this is, I don't want to use the word shocking, but as a, as an entrepreneur and somebody is running a campaign, you're only going to work with people who are in line with your political thought?
3: No, you, I work with I,
0: I would let Tim Scott, if he wanted to be, I get what you're saying, self-loathing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's the latter of, he, that he doesn't want to separate himself from Black people, but I, I do think he wants to, and I agree with this statement, wants to be that good Black boy. Like, look at me. I speak your language in the way you want it spoken. Right. right? I conduct right. myself in the way that you appreciate and it is very less threatening uh, than other folks that look like me that are part of a greater community that I'm in. So I get that part um, because, you know, Kim and I have spoken for it. To me, Tim Scott is running for vice president. <laughs>
2: um,
0: um, yeah, I can see so that. So he's trying to. Comp- himself in a way that is uh, not intimidating to Donald Trump.
2: Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. You know, in thinking that Donald Trump would, he would solve the racism problem for Donald Trump. I'm not racist. My VP is a black man. Mm You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But The Candace Owens, the Tim Scotts, the Larry Elder. Larry Elder is one, I believe, who who really, oh, I don't want to say this on a podcast, but I think he needs help. (laughs) Um, Candace Owens, I think they're pure capitalists. I think they found a niche Mm -hmm. that works, and they go around to these different universities getting very handsome checks um and i'm not saying they don't believe everything they say but they that's a lane that they created and she is one of the best at at doing it she's probably equivalent to ben shapiro um i don't know if y'all know who he is mm-hmm. um but he's another one that gets uh checks from universities around the world very both very intelligent people and i believe one or two things Candace Owens talks about but i it's hard for me to imagine that she really feels the way that she does about all the different topics she talks about she talks about about african americans with great with great generalization hmm.
3: Mm
2: -hmm.
3: so you're asking me a question
0: or no i was just (laughs) part of the the discussion saying that i agree with you on tim scott Mm -hmm. uh, his issues um what i'm there are other black republicans that they don't show on the news um Mm -hmm. that don't garner the attention um
1: I just that don't
0: know I, because, that, that, that that the issues that they have um is almost one of independence i feel like they feel like black people we can get ourselves out of our own situation we don't need help from the government that's um,
1: the clarence thomas's of the world
0: right right but clarence thomas is also his association and his socialization with other folks makes me think that that's where he'd rather he'd rather be. I think he might have some self-loathing, but I never met him, so I really...
1: Wait, he'd rather expect- be where?
0: He'd rather be with the white community.
1: Oh, okay. And he is.
0: Go go ahead, Kim, what was you going
1: to say? <laughs> I, I, I guess if I... Could speak to any of those people that you mentioned, I would just have two issues. I would just have two questions. Number one, I would ask, can you acknowledge that in America there is a wealth gap between blacks and whites? There is a health gap between blacks and whites. And there is just disparities among between blacks and whites? Can you acknowledge that number one? And if the answer is yes, hopefully the answer is yes. Number two, how is what you are saying or what you are proposing or what you are spewing, (laughs) whatever it is that you're talking about, how is that going to close those gaps? How is that helping us? That's all I want to know. And if you can explain that, I get it. Like, I I can agree with what you're saying. If you can't, what's the point? Like, and that's where the grift comes in. If if you can't explain that, you're a grifter. That's how I see it. What, What do you say to that, Dr. Carr?
3: Well, a lot of individuals. So I do work across the aisle. I work with all parties, persons who are truly interested in, in change or making mm-hmm. a positive impact. Mm-hmm. So when you, when I do work with and interact with um, Black Republicans, either as a group or individuals, then it's you have like a um, a continuum. So just like what you have, white Republicans there's a continuum of those who are to the far right or those who are more into Trump and those who are with black um, more leaning towards wanting to be or appear very um, white or very white centric. And mm-hmm. so what I would say is that They wouldn't be able to answer that question in a way that would satisfy you, because that would be an assumption that they believe that there a wealth gap exists. They would not think that a wealth gap existed or that a disparity gap existed because due to cognitive dissonance, meaning if I believe one thing, I had to believe something else. So they would have already reconciled in their own mind, well, these things don't exist. And because they don't exist, that's why I'm able to succeed. And because I'm able to succeed, then therefore you too can succeed because there are no disparities, there are no inequities. And therefore, they would say that your foundational arguments were were fallible and that what they were believing was true. And so they will probably twist the conversation. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. And therein lies the problem. Okay, Mm -hmm, well,
0: I'm going to say this. I think Tim Scott and Larry Elder will respond that way. But I think Candace Owens and Clarence Thomas will have a response to what you say. I thought Dr. Carr was going down this avenue. She didn't, but I am. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that they would say it most indeed there's a wealth gap, but they will say Negroes are the problem and up because of the wealth gap. You're not Mm -hmm. doing what you're supposed to do. If you were acting in accordingly and, pulling yourself up like you said they're saying by your bootstraps there wouldn't be a huge wealth gap you know we can close that and they do have some merit to their conversation because they're about respectability politics that's what they are about and it sometimes it's hard to argue against some of the things that you might spew in a different way they go harsh in the blaming they but they on purpose or they have purposely leave out systemic racism when they talk mm-hmm. about these issues. And Candace will... also
3: doesn't talk about her own lawsuit against her college for racial discrimination. So, she, you know, when, to your earlier point, Dr. A, when she talks about, um, when you're talking about her making this part of her economy or her income, then that is part of her stick. This is part of what I'm known for. This is my brand. Mm-hmm. And so, even with me marrying a white person, the same thing with Tom, Clarence Thompson, um, Thomas, then it's then as, as part of who I am. My own identity is reinforced by the persons I marry and the statements that I make. And so even if I feel dis- disgust or disdain for myself when I lay my head down at night, I see the other benefits which would make me want to stay with this argument. <laughs>
0: Exactly. I Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And also, she like I said, this is what they know. This is what these. If she came to my school, well, not Texas Southern, but if she came to Texas A&M, she'd be a hit. Who would? uh, Candace Owens, she would be a hit.
1: But see, I hear what you're saying, but you're talking about personal responsibility when those people would say, I acknowledge the gaps, but you're the problem. You need to take personal responsibility for where you are in life.
0: Yeah, yeah, but so I, would argue, but I would
1: argue that it's twofold. It's personal responsibility, but it's also public policy. So my question is how is in the, in the, in the case of a Clarence Thomas or a Tim Scott, where you have the power to influence the public policy, to change the public policy, to implement a public policy that is going to close that gap and you don't do it. That's the part. I, I just need help with understanding that. Like how is that helping us? And that's where I am with it. So Dr. Carr would have to be a miracle worker (laughs) to spin that. Well, so what I,
3: yeah. So what I would do as far as the spin part of it, is I would let them see the multitude of benefits for their own ego psychologically, for their own career financially, on how voting particular way would be highly advantageous to them. So I am a, obviously I'm a female. And so when you're working, and I work mainly with men. And so one way to help men, especially powerful men, make a change that will go against their own intrinsic Uh, personality and beliefs would be to let them see, well, how will this benefit you? So the way that I would spin it, what I would focus on, let's see how this can highly benefit you in ways that will last long um, long beyond your political term and office. And what do you want your legacy to be? And so then I would incorporate, we can make these changes that can impact a population or the nation, but how can this also benefit you personally? And so that's what I would focus on. How this can be a benefit to you. And so if I were to work with Tim, then it would be on what we can change to make you look good.
1: Okay. To whom though? Look good to whom? Because because to to
3: himself. So I focus on the ego, their psychological ego as well as their political ego. So I'm gonna focus on, okay, well you're a high person of power, you're a high profile person, you want to keep that high profile status, and you also want to be able to keep your credibility or notoriety. And so my my, um, solutions would be, I'm going to help the society by helping this person who is self-centered, see even more self-centered value in helping other people.
1: Okay, so that you 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 think that would have caused Clarence Thomas to vote in favor of affirmative action and not against it.
3: So that that would be a different situation because Clarence Thomas is already believing that he has achieved the greatest level of success, that he is the golden child and that he is very powerful, so much so that he will blatantly and publicly disregard his own behaviors or uh, what rules are or decorum for taking gifts or refusing gifts because he believes he is above the fray and he believes that he could make exceptions because he himself is an exception. So he's a person who I, with whom I would not work because I could make no meaningful change in his okay. mind. He is very happy with who he is and how he is as a person and as a political leader.
1: Okay.
0: Well said. So, we're going to get you out here on you telling us a little bit about your podcast, or at least one of your
3: podcasts. <laughs> oh, um, so I'm so, as a political and corporate advisor, as well as a psychologist, I am the host of Politics and Psychology. And what I do, I combine as we're doing here the psychology behind political issues and social issues. And I help make it bite-sized commentary for everyone to understand what is happening politically or what's happening that we should be aware of to vote a particular way or not vote a particular way, or how to best understand an issue, even if it's something as far as the foods that you eat, whether it's GMOs, what's the political motivation, economical motivation behind creating these GMOs, and then how can you make your own decisions for your biological and psychological self.
1: So that was a long
3: explanation. <laughs> <laughs> it's a multitude of issues for anything that affects you as an individual, politically and socially. And I apply the psychological understanding of that.
1: And we can find this I- I anywhere we can listen to a yes, podcast? On all
3: podcasts, as well as on my website, www.theproblemsolver.co. Awesome. co.
1: The problem solver. I like that.
0: The mm-hmm. problem solver. Okay. Well, we mm-hmm. want to thank you for coming on, and we want you to be a regular on our show because we definitely can use your expertise. Um, oh, thank you, you for having
3: me. Thank you. Thank
0: you. We expand this podcast, but thanks again for coming on.
2: And thank, you, always, thank you, Doctor. Thank you.
0: Uh, Take it easy. All
3: right. Talk
1: to you later. I love that. She's great. She's excellent.
0: Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fellow Morgan State, also, she is your sorrow. Yep, Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: So. And let us move on. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what, so what's the scenario? Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what's,
0: so what's the scenario? All right, today's scenario is using the bathroom <clears throat> in front of your significant other for the first time. You have to have a bowel movement, and this question came up during our production meeting when I said, like, the first time. <laughs> the first couple of times I'm with somebody and say, and this is back in the day because um, for the past 13 years I've been with the same person, but this is back in the day, even before that. <laughs> I would never if we, like, if I didn't have my place or we were at a hotel, if I had a bowel movement coming on i will go downstairs to the lobby and use the lobby restroom
1: and we were like what who does that uh
0: this this is pre this is pre poopery.
1: <laughs> the producer was like wait a minute right. so this is a hotel room that you just paid for and you're not going to use the restroom in that hotel room you're going to go all the way downstairs i don't think that's the lobby.
0: best introduction
1: so this is like your first or second date with this person. Yeah, you know, it's I'm, early like,
0: in the relationship. Early
1: in the relationship, so you don't yeah. want to leave. You don't want to like spoil the mood or like, I don't know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. just think
0: how you just think how you would think if if someone blew up the <laughs> the restroom. It's definitely not a mood setter.
1: <laughs> it's not. I guess that's poor timing. I guess. Yeah. I mean, you can't really predict when you're going to have a bowel movement she perhaps. might
0: say she you, might, gotta go, you gotta go <laughs> she might say well if this is gonna happen we gotta change rooms <laughs>
1: <laughs> or you could just take a shower because what i was saying was everybody understands that well i mean
0: you could take a shower but
1: bodily function and so it's like okay if you gotta go you gotta go and then you could just say like, you know take a shower and then you cool. could
0: take a shower but i'm talking about the odor not evaporating quick enough okay and not saying that like you know everybody thinks you know they poop might smell like roses but we all know that's not true did or some. you
1: can turn on the exhaust in the bathroom and spray the spray.
0: Well, I That's mean, nice. there's different ways you can do it, or you can carry. Your, a
1: match, <laughs> smoke a can, cigarette.
0: You can carry yourself down, get on the elevator, go from the fifth floor to the first floor.
1: Okay, so okay, get okay. So what are you saying to her? Are you saying uh, I'm gonna go get a coke? Are you saying
0: uh, I just gotta run downstairs to the lobby real quick? And if she wanted anything, like I said, you need anything? She says. Yeah, I'll bring it back up.
1: Okay, I'm not mad at that.
0: That's that's what I would do. Now, I'm a man making that statement. Let's hear it from a woman. <laughs>
1: <sighs> well,
0: because it's it's really a question: is I when are you when are you first comfortable of doing that movement? And I say mean, that's when relationships start. Right. I think when your we, first. I think of of your first argument or disagreement and or or your first bowel movement in front of your person
1: or if you have to pass gas or something like that pass gas or like i I hope you walk
0: away when you do that (laughs)
1: like a lot no sometimes it'll slip out and you don't yeah if it slips
0: out that's fine but i don't don't ever want i I don't want i don't ever want my significant other to be comfortable Passing gas
1: around in you. my uh-huh. presence,
0: like, like rearing it up. If you can get away, get away.
1: Right, I get yeah. it. That, you know. That's fair. That's fair. Even if you've been with somebody for twenty five years, you know, yes, really yes. smell nobody's. Yeah, you know, gas. you
0: sitting over there eating your your food, <laughs> and then you hear some <laughs> some noise coming from the rectal area. You just <laughs> like, oh no, what's going on
1: here? Look, that'll be the oh hell no. <laughs> for the yeah, day, oh exactly. hell no!
0: Exactly, that's exactly no. what it would be.
1: But then you know, some um couples get comfortable to the point where they can actually use the bathroom with the door open, with the person right there, and they're having a conversation. Like, yeah, that's, that's I mean, true. I'm,
0: I'm, at, I'm, I'm sure you and I are at that level with our right. others. Yeah,
1: right. Where you it's know, like, okay, so what sick. we gonna have for dinner? And you sitting on the toilet, you know? Yeah, yeah. so. No, but I do. I you know I I get that you don't you want the atmosphere to be, um, conducive to having a romantic evening or what have you, but you know I watched this show called um, I actually watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians, and this was an episode when Chloe was married to Lamar, and I remember that he said. On camera, he basically said that he never saw her poop. Like in all the years that they had been married, he never saw her poop. And he was just wondering, like, when does she go? Because and she admitted that she just didn't feel comfortable with him seeing her poop or knowing that she pooped or smelling her poop or any any of that. She it was basically like he never even would ever know that she pooped when and when, you know, when and where and how she pooped. He, he didn't know anything, anything about it. So I said all that to say that I I do understand where you're coming from. It just kind of depends on, it's a personal choice, like whether you feel comfortable doing that around your significant other at any time, whether it's the first or second day or 25 years in, you know, it just, some people are not going to feel comfortable doing that. So I get it. I'm not mad at you, Dr. A. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All
1: <I> right. <sniffs> Got anything else to add to that?
2: No. And let us move on. Like
0: this, keep it, keep on.
1: All right. Well, all right. So today, for our little known black history fact, we want to highlight Dr. Robert Tanner Freeman. Dr. Freeman was one of the first six students to attend the Harvard School of Dental Medicine. And on March 10, 1869, he became the first African-American to graduate with a dental degree in the United States. He subsequently practiced dentistry in Washington, DC. Before Dr. Freeman was accepted into Harvard Dental School, he was rejected by two other institutions because of the color of his skin. The dental school's first dean, Nathan Cooley Keep, interviewed him and invited him to become one of the first six students to attend Harvard Dental School. And this is just a lesson in not judging a book by its cover. I mean, you have to give everyone a fair chance. And of course, once Dr. Freeman got that opportunity, he took advantage of it. And again, he became the first African-American to graduate with a dental degree in the United States. Dr. Robert Tanner Freeman, our little known Black history fact.
0: kind of late with the applause
1: <laughs> all right handsome man too come on Martin
2: let us move on <laughs> I like I like I like it
0: Okay, this is our last plug of the day. It's our podcast, and we're bringing you The Stoop. Uh, the Stoop podcast explores stories from the Black dysphoria that we don't always share out in the open. Hosts Layla Day and Hana Baba start conversations about what it means to be Black and how we talk about Blackness in America and globally. It's a celebration of Black joy in all its diversity with a mission to dig deeper into stories that we need to talk about. This is The Stoop. So check out their podcast on all platforms.
2: And let us move on.
0: oh hell no say one more time oh hell no all right so a bit of unfortunate news again uh since the shooting of a jackson state university student named jalen burns also a member of the fraternity i belong to alpha phi alpha um he wasn't targeted in this um, the shooter has been arrested, um, but it's this you know, two black men gone. The shooter probably going to face a significant amount of time,
1: and yeah. Jamie so
0: it's no longer with us,
1: exactly. Yeah, this is very sad. He's from Chicago, and his father said. Um, he was with one of his frat, his frat brothers, who wanted to break up with his girlfriend and get his things out of her apartment. So the girlfriend of his frat brother invited another group of, pe- of people over to her apartment, and someone in that group that she invited over had a gun, and a fight broke out. Jalen, the victim here, was trying to break the fight up, and got shot and, and was killed. Mm. And his father was was saying, of course, he's not, he wasn't a violent kid. He didn't know anything about guns or fighting or gangs or anything like that, even though he was from Chicago and Chicago is known for that gun violence and gangs and things of that nature. He was not involved in that. He was just trying to go to school and get, you know, get a college education. And basically, as you said, he wasn't the target, but he got caught in the crossfire. So Again, I mean, especially after the shootings that we had at Bowie State and um Morgan State University a couple of weeks ago uh, and unfortunately, no one was killed in those incidents. but here on, on you know unfortunately um it ended in a fatal shooting, so, it's
0: yeah, so our prayers goes out to the family.
1: He was studying industrial technology and he was about to turn 22 in November.
0: It's a shame. It really Mm -hmm. is.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And let us move on.
0: So, we have a, and I'm just making sure everything is right, for the first time, I think her name is pronounced Jare Ejelana. Um she is voted the most beautiful girl in the world. All right. So it was only appropriate that we played a uh, princess song on that. And do you have anything about Jare?
1: All I can say is she really is absolutely breathtakingly, stunningly beautiful. I mean, she has the most beautiful, clear, chocolate skin. Her eyes are actually blue. I don't know if you guys have to see uh, the picture of her that Dr. A put up. Her hair is beautiful. it's, it's curly and reaches towards the sun as many of our uh, of our hair does. And she just has beautiful features. so I'm just happy to hear. That for the first time in history, she has been voted the most beautiful girl in the world because she's truly, again, stunningly beautiful. I mean, I almost thought she was a a living, she looks like a living doll.
0: Yeah, so it says, uh, an unprofessional model took a photo shoot in a studio and it caught the world's attention. Eventually, Yahoo's lifestyle named her the most beautiful girl in the world. Uh Jare's doll-like shots got everyone appreciating the little girl's natural beauty. This was after her photographer shared them on Instagram, uh, Instagram social uh platform. Jare was captured posing simply and showcasing her enormous eyes, perfectly smooth skin, and impressive hair. Sharing the inspiration behind the shot, her photographer wrote, I want to portray the interception between her childhood and her adulthood, so both stay timeless. So who is she? Um, she's from, born in Lagos, Le- 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 Nigeria, and <laughs> she was recently extolled as the most beautiful girl in the world after her photos caught the internet <laughs> users in awe. Amazingly, she becomes the first Black African-American to earn such a title. But then how old is Jare? Um the beautiful damsel is seven years old and she was born on the 1st of January in 2014. So she is a Capricorn and, you know, they said even without makeup, she is beautiful.
1: Gorgeous, just gorgeous.
2: (laughs) Applaud her.
1: Coming to think about, I'm coming to think about people and music in the same way that there's only two kinds, good and bad, good and bad. And I and I will say the same thing about beauty. To me, I know traditionally in America we look towards European features as the standard of beauty. Beauty, but. I think it could be any. Um, th- there shouldn't be any uh, set standard standard of beauty. It could y- you can have beautiful people in of any race of any set of features. That's really just how I feel about it. And it's the same with music. It's good music, bad music. Not necessarily that you know one genre of music is better than another. It's all personal preference. And I, for one, as a music lover. Can love music of any genre as long as it is good. And I can similarly acknowledge the beauty of an individual regardless of race, creed, or color.
0: Or size.
1: Or size.
0: Okay, well said. <laughs> Oops. Okay, so today we're gonna wrap up. We go about three plugs: Skira Water, uh, Husky Hardware, and then the podcast was the Stoop. Our wow for the week. Uh, Our grandfathers had to run, run, run. My generations out of breath. We ain't running no more. From the late Kwame Nkrumah, also known as Stokely Carmichael. What's going on? We did Michael Irvin's story about. His his settlement with the Marriott, Deion Sanders' ability to lead is infectious, and corporations should start paying attention to him and getting his blueprint. We had an $81 billion glitch um, that was rectified in uh, a little bit more than 24 hours that was uh, so people not being able to transfer funds. Um, our scenario was using the bathroom. You know, in front of your significant other for the first time. How do you avoid that or do you not avoid it? Our special discussion was around black conservatism and we brought in Dr. Renee Carr. Uh, we'd like to thank Dr. Carr for appearing on the show. Um, our little known black history fact was Dr. Robert Tanner Freeman. I um, all hell know went to the murder of murdering of Jalen Burns and we gave it up to Jare Ejelana as the most beautiful girl in the world so that is our show for today and as always
1: thank you everybody for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us and as always imparting we wish you love peace and knowledge to feed your soul
0: Knowledge to feed your soul peace